Hello, and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky, here with Father Boniface Hicks. And to kind of pull the curtain back for everyone out there, we recorded the last episode literally hours before the Russia invasion. So um, I wanted to use this conversation here to kind of talk about it. And just for reference, this is not a live episode. Um, This is recorded here on the 7th of March. So obviously things are probably going to change between now and whenever in history someone is listening to this. But Father, the, the question I have, and this is kind of the watching it on TV synopsis, so acknowledging that that's probably more watered down than anything. But this is just a general question I have. The way that I essentially see it is that this invasion is essentially being spearheaded by one person, that being Putin. Um, He has done a lot of things to make it look like he is justified in it. And quite frankly, whether he is or not, doesn't really pertain to what I'm going to ask you. Um, But he's essentially the cause of it. His own country people, who are obviously the Russian people, are out protesting him in mass. And to put a little backdrop between what protesting in Russia versus protesting in America is, since most people don't have this context, since 1935, no country has killed more of its own people for standing up to the government than the Russians. Um, It's not even close, actually. And Hitler is not number three, or not number two in killing his own people. He's number three. China is number two in that. So for perspective, people hitting the streets and protesting Putin's invasion were literally risking their lives. Now, the fact that so many of them did it, to me, is a a great moment of, of hope. Um, and you know, who knows if that will continue or anything, but that's how I'm looking at this, that Putin doesn't even have the desire of his own, his own people to do this. And obviously he's creating death and destruction for those in Ukraine, starting an invasion of war default means that you're doing that and have the intent of doing that. And his stated intent is to topple their government, to put one that he wants in place. So also by definition, infringing upon current liberties of the, of the people he's trying to take over. So as I I see this in totality, and again, this is simplified from the views of the the news um, that only one person is doing this, but Putin is certainly the, the driving force of it. Fundamentally, my question is, is knowing that this man is creating this much evil, pain, and hardship, is it wrong for me to essentially root for him to disappear? Um, whatever that means in every, any capacity, but just to, to be gone and to be out of there. Because certainly the people of Ukraine will have a better life. Um, and And that's my question as just a... Not diving into any of the tactics or anything he's doing, but just from a ethical question, me sitting here in America, um, you know, obviously I'm not in the military or anything, but is that just fundamentally right or wrong to have that desire as a person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's a, that's a that's a really uh, useful question actually to reflect on because it goes uh, obviously much broader than this particular issue, but. Uh, this issue brings in, you know, kind of uh, makes it 
put some flesh on it in a in a valuable way. <clears throat> can you can you pray for the death of anyone? You know, that's essentially uh, the question. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't necessarily have to die. He could be deposed or something else. And so, uh, one of the one of the dangers um, in doing that, I'm trying to think. Uh, there are a couple of different categories that are arriving in my head, but I'll just forge ahead and and uh, we'll work through it. But um, the the danger is, do you really know that whoever replaces him or whatever replaces him will be better than him? And fundamentally, we have to say, no, we don't know that. And so the removal of him is uh, not necessarily the best thing in a certain sense. Uh, and so more fundamentally, we want to pray for God's will. So God knows what the best thing is. And, and so we would say, well, you know, so we, we can pray out of a certain amount of emotion. We say, you know, I mean, God, uh, save us from this, uh, this particular whatever, this issue. Um, but if you, if you look back at the example of Jesus, to make this again concrete, um, Jesus does not destroy Herod or Pilate. And so uh, at some level, and now there, there at least some of the apostles would have wanted him to do that. Some of the people would have wanted him to do that, would have wanted him to overthrow the tyrannical government with his own replacement government. And Pope Benedict had a beautiful insight in his inaugural homily. He said, well, overthrowing the opposing government is what every tyrannical government does. And what makes us different than every other tyrannical government, if that's going to be our approach? But the Lord, Jesus, instead of uh, becoming another enemy to the enemies, uh, he, he defeats the, uh, the victor, he, he defeats the tyrant by becoming the victim. He, he becomes one of the lambs. And in being offered, he, uh, he is how he brings about our salvation. And so, the um, so so that's the kind of uh, contrasting or the the challenging perspective that we have to take into account is, you know, the way that God overcomes is not by destroying, but by being destroyed. Uh, the way that He overcomes is not by uh, killing Herod, but by or by killing Pilate, but by being killed by Him. And so there's going to be fundamentally the way of the cross in these things. And that's where, you know, the most uh, moving example of this is, is John Paul II overcoming communism the first time, which was not by destroying the communist ruler, but by fortifying the people in Christian values. The solidarity movement in Poland was, was ultimately what overcame without a, a, a shot being fired or a drop of blood being shed was was able to overcome the the communist government. So, so I think we really have to let ourselves be challenged by that if we're going to also claim to be Christian and not just sort of like a a, a worldly person with a little bit of Christian sprinkled over them. Because Putin himself is claiming to reestablish Christendom, and he's using the pan-Orthodox, I should be careful in saying uh, these are secondhand things I've heard. I haven't looked into them deeply, so I might not be getting this totally right. But I think he's justifying himself in some ways through you know, establishing Christendom and, and overcoming uh, 
problems that he claims the the Ukrainians were in, infiltrated by this and that and the other thing, and he justifies himself in righteous ways to do the things that he's doing. So we have to be we have to be careful about all of that. Um, let me add just another uh, sort of put a stop on that and then pick it up your question from another perspective now. Uh, can we pray for uh, God to whatever, remove our enemy in some way? Uh, jokingly in uh, kind of the Catholic space, we say, oh, let's pray to St. Joseph, patron of a happy death, <laughs> for Pope Putin to have a happy death uh, through the intercession of St. Joseph. And uh, we could pray for that in one way. So we have to be a little bit careful that we're not praying for the condemnation of someone. Because if we're really going to take Jesus seriously, that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, pray for those who persecute us. Again, uh, if we're praying for the removal of someone or the death of someone, are we also implicitly praying for the condemnation of someone? Uh, or do we care where Putin goes or that this might not be the best moment for his end, for his removal, that for his eternal salvation, it might be better for this to take place a little bit later. Maybe he needs to see, you know, maybe there are Ukrainians going to heaven left and right. We're just uh, filling up heaven with, with, with beautiful, innocent Ukrainians who are heroically standing up for what is true and good and beautiful. And uh, Putin needs to see, in fact, his destruction for him to have a real conversion and also be able to go to heaven and repent genuinely of the evil uh, whatever evil he's facilitated in all of this, you know. So again, I'm trying to shift this to a more Christianized perspective to challenge. I'm challenging myself in saying this, you know. I'm not claiming any of this is easy or obvious, but but that we take up, even if we're going to pray for our our persecutor, if we're going to love our enemy, what does loving Putin look like? If we're really going to live out the gospel, the command of Christ, what does loving him look like? Well, it could be let him be removed because that'll put an end to some of the evil that he's doing. Okay, well, I can get behind that. Now I'm praying for him. I'm not just, you know, creating an object out of him and, and asking that it be destroyed. I'm praying for this human being who is genuinely a human being. H however wicked, in fact, he is, however compromised by evil he may be, he is still a human being whom God has created in his image and likeness and destined for eternal beatitude. And I have a responsibility to do what I can do to get him there and all of the other people who are collaborating with him and doing terrible things. Now, you and I can have this conversation because I'm not, I don't have a gun to my head right now. So again, I, I don't want to diminish in any way the horror uh, and, and suffering that people are going through and, and make it sound like I'm siding with Putin in any way or that I'm more concerned about him than, than, the, than the Ukrainians. But just trying to say like, what is, you know, to tease out the things, what are the real intentions in my heart in, in wanting to get rid of him? Is it, is it really looking at the good of the whole picture or is it because I narrowly focus on a dimension of my side and I want my side to be victorious? And then, by the way, my side is, you know, probably the best anyway and uh, the most, most virtuous. Well, it's all a mixed bag. I mean, we're, we're always a mixed bag on both sides. Really, we want to expand our hearts for the, the greatest good that 
that God can bring about through, uh, through all of these horrible circumstances? How can he bring conversion to every soul? And so perhaps the most, uh, well, another way uh, now, just the, my final statement will be, what if we prayed for the conversion of Putin, that, that somehow he become a saint through this? And that, you know, and this would be a St. Paul moment. You know, the Jews very easily could have prayed for the destruction, or the Christians could have prayed for the destruction of St. Paul. He's persecuting the, the Christians, and he's a huge problem, and he stands in the way of uh, the spread of the gospel, and would that he would be destroyed. Well, God had better plans. God made him one of them. What if Putin became one of us? And uh, I had a uh, uh, Monsignor John Essif, who some of our listeners might know his name. He's, he's an incredible person, but he was really praying for the conversion of Osama bin Laden. And he actually put out a podcast. You could find him if you, if you did on, looked on YouTube for Essif, E-S-S-E-F-F, and bin Laden. You'll see his open letter to Osama bin Laden summoning him to be the next St. Paul. And, and Monsignor Esif was willing to go and, and baptize him and, uh, and convert him, you know. So that's like a kind of radical. Now, Monsignor Esif was putting his life in danger by doing all of this, which he was happy to do because he's, he's, he's totally unique. Anyway, he's an incredible person. But, uh, but that's, that's the kind of Christian conversion that we, we should keep looking for in our own hearts. Uh, how does Christ look at this and and how do we how can we look at it in a way that's more like him so much to go from with that and try to go through each of of your points there um as as you said in the beginning i want to just clarify something there because you said that you're giving the example of christ essentially made himself a victim which he did he's he's the one who perished on the cross so he he could rise again but he didn't make himself a victim in the sense that he was looking for bad things to happen to him and, and woe is me. And I think that that is something that um, I, I want to kind of just go into a little bit because creating yourself as a victim in and of itself is not virtuous. You know, trying to always look for a reason why you're being downtrodden or outcast or something bad happening, you being someone else's fault. So therefore you are the victim. It's not virtuous by nature. And what you are describing is something um, totally different from that. And I wanted to spend a a second going over there just to clarify that key point, um, because there are a lot of people in this world that just want to be a perpetual victim for the attention that they perceive it gets. So I wanted to just take a minute to clarify that because that's not, at least from the way I interpret things, what Christ was going for doing. Um, yes, he does say, you know, you got to die to yourself and turn the other cheek, but he's not doing so for attention or for, you know, any any negative way like there. So I wanted to start with that clarification because I think it's something that's important to dive into um, when we're talking about what Christ would have us do. Uh, but it's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking well, about the Ukraine. We are, situation. but 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 you, you but but when you said make yourself, he made you know to make ourselves a victim. We're not calling for um, essentially everyone in Ukraine to just bow over and and you know get walked all over. Um, I guess is another way to say it. So I it, it, maybe it's my mind when I hear the word victim and I. I I have misconceptions coming into it or, or misconstruing something. I'm not trying to do that. 
but that's not what we're, we're you're saying here. You're not saying that it's unjust for um, the Ukrainians to stand up for themselves or, or anything of that capacity, correct? Um, <clears throat> no, it's not really what we were talking about. So I'm trying so, to. Uh, so I, I was just trying to, to clarify. Like I, I, because because what what I got from there is 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 what Jesus did was he he didn't obviously overturn any government. We kind of discussed that with the Barabbas episode, um, and, and that wasn't the goal of what he's going for. He he's trying to show that through conversion is the best way. With your example of Saint Paul. And that's what we're calling for, because there, there's just so many questions from many angles here that I'm, I'm trying to keep myself focused here, which I, I appreciate you, you doing. Um, and, and that's kind of where I'm just kind of all over myself trying to, to, to focus on this here. So. Um, so, so let's take it back to the way we normally do with looking at us as ourselves to pray for the conversion of another Um another even that that we haven't met um so there's no real direct way i can communicate with with putin in any real capacity um and you know i i don't know him as an individual i know him as the character that they portray of him on tv um and to a degree he may even portray of himself so as an individual i'm not even totally sure how much of this guy i really know or is it just a a caricature so with that being said, how does one go about praying for someone that they do not know? Um, and I guess, that, again, this is applicable in many areas um, as I go through this, because you can pray for all kinds of things, but to, to kind of keep it real where it's a part of you, um, because that's the other thing I've learned is that if, if you don't make it a part of you, you won't make it a part of your life. So with that being said, how, how is that skill um, developed in, in someone. Well, and I, I think uh, you, I think you initially posed the question, is it okay to want him to go away? Yes. And uh, so maybe there's a, a useful shift in that. Uh, what is that wanting? Is that a passive desire? Is that an active intent? Is that a prayer? And so even shifting some of these things into the realm of prayer is quite useful. So it's one thing to mutter under our breath and to want as we walk to the store for this thing to go away, or when we see the $4.10 a gallon for gas to wish that Putin would just go away. So there's a, a difference between that sort of wishful thinking uh, or that passive desire and, uh, and a real active intent, which we then bring up to the Lord and express in prayer. And maybe you can even imagine the kind of confrontation that Jesus, confrontation, when, when Jesus draws close to the blind Bartimaeus and asks him directly, what do you want me to do for you? And can you say, can you look Jesus in the eye and say to him, you know, and that's a different form of, uh, expressing not just wishful thinking, but a real active intent. This is what I want. And so I'm trying to shape in my response, first of all, the idea that we would actually bring it to Jesus and not just murmur about it, you know, or this is, uh, we sort of make sport out of gossip or out of being uh, 
you know, armchair politicians or, uh, you know, just uh, backseat drivers in, in God's van. And uh, we, you know, have all of our ideas about how this would be better and that would be better and all kinds of other things. But, but to really make it specifically as something we bring to him. And that might go together with uh, acting on something. I guess, uh, you know, probably a lot of our, our listeners in the Pittsburgh area would be aware of Father Jason Schroen, the Ukrainian priest who went over to rescue 22 orphans from the Ukraine and smuggle them into Poland and try to bring them back to the United States. And that's pretty, uh, pretty bold thing to do. He was, he was willing to pray very intentionally for an end to war in the Ukraine for the salvation of little ones, you know, but then also willing to take it into action. So I suppose it's a matter of looking into our hearts. Am I, am I just muttering things that are passive thoughts or am I really actively willing these things, even to the point that if God gave me the opportunity, I would take him up on it and I would take some action. So uh, so making it intentional, speaking the prayer, having mass offered for it, fasting for that intention, uh, turning off your television for an hour for that intention, making some sacrifice to back up the, the desire that um, whether it's uh, for Putin's conversion or an end to war or peace in the Ukraine or the success of Father Jason and his rescuing of the 22 orphans or uh, whatever that might be, that we make it intentional and explicit and even to attach some sacrifice to it. That's a way that we move from wishful thinking to real, I would say, active intercession. Yeah, and um, this probably could be a very big topic that I'd never grasp the core concept of, but attaching sacrifice to prayer. Um, I Obviously, I, I've heard of saints who have, I believe it's St. Teresa, who had tremendous pain in her life as she just went through life, um, and, and she would attach it. I might be mixing up my saints there. There's a lot of them. Um, but but the one who prays for missionaries, I believe that's St. Teresa. Um, and basically... I never understood that concept. So if you could kind of conclude today's episode with uh, essentially how that works and all of that, because again, I'm a blank slate there. Um, well, it works uh, sort of like I said, I suppose. So we attach intentions to things, um, you know, whether it's an offering of the mass, which is the most profound sacrifice, the one that Christ offered for us, or whether we attach that to our own sacrifices. It's a good thing to talk about in the Lenten season, you know, we to uh, offer up a, a fast or abstinence, uh, some, you know, or uh, whatever for, for a particular intention. You know, we used to, there was a, there was a commercial that was like, yeah, do your best. Do it for Jerry's kids. You know, it's like the the Ronald McDonald House or whatever. Jerry's kids, uh, you know, special needs or I, I honestly don't even remember what that was attached to. Now it was cancer treatment or something or um, some uh, some other group. But we have this sense of do it for this for this purpose. You know, uh, sports stars who do their best. You know, for this is for my dad. This is for my mom, you know. This is uh, this is for coach who died in the middle of the season. We have a sense of of attaching an accomplishment to a person or an intention. So it's a similar concept in terms of prayer that I'm offering this sacrifice, this fast, 
I'm not going to have uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'm not going to eat for a week. I'm not going to whatever it is that, uh, and I'm doing it for this purpose so that um, God's will will be carried out in this place. And, and that's attached again to the idea that Christ's salvation occurs not through him destroying the enemy uh, through a show of force, but rather through him uh, accepting the, the evil, the suffering as, as an offering to the Father. And uh, so he turns suffering into love. He even turns evil into love in that sense, because he responds uh, not with, he doesn't to try to defeat evil with evil, um, but he rather overcomes evil with good. He responds to uh, hatred with love and to lies with truth. And, and so uh, it's a way of, of doing that as well, taking that bit of suffering from uh, the little sacrifice that we might make and offering it up, as we would uh, traditionally say, offer that up as, a, as an intention, as an expression of intercession. And part of the power of prayer that, um, you know, certainly, uh, certainly powerful, um, that, the, that, that, I guess part of the mystery of the faith, I guess is part of wrapped into there as well. So, uh, so we'll thank you very much for doing today's episode, father. We thank everyone out there for listening. And, um, if you haven't yet, please hit subscribe and share. Um, and you can also share with anyone else that you might know who would benefit from it. That's how we grow is primarily through word of mouth. So we thank you and we will be with you again next week.